It's Thursday, July the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the Taliban in China and America's infrastructure bill. First, the world in brief. China hosted a delegation from the Taliban saying that it expects them to play an important role in ending the war in Afghanistan and rebuilding the country. Earlier the same day, Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, met a representative of the Dalai Lama, the spiritual leader of Tibetan Buddhism, who is denounced by China as a, quote, splittist in India. Mr. Blinken also met India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi to affirm a growing Indo-American strategic partnership. America's Senate advanced another painstaking step towards an infrastructure package set to be worth $1 trillion. Enough Republicans reached an agreement with Democrats on the, quote, major issues for the body to take it up for debate formally. The bill is dwarfed by the Democrats' own much bigger proposal, which aims to revitalize the economy in various ways and is worth as much as $3.5 trillion, which they hope to push through the Senate without Republican support. America's Federal Reserve offered up tea leaves for the reading without altering either its near-zero interest rates or bond-buying scheme. By discussing how it would reduce the rate of its monthly $120 billion purchases, however, the Fed gave analysts the impression that a tightening may be drawing near. Yet the chairman, Jerome Powell, also said the labor market, quote, has a ways to go. Facebook reported bumper second quarter results, but warned it expected revenue growth to, quote, decelerate significantly in the third and fourth quarters. Revenues rose by 56% year-on-year to $29 billion. But the social media giant said new privacy policies introduced by Apple, which require apps to ask permission before collecting data from third-party websites, would make it harder to aim its ads. Boeing revealed a surprise profit of $1 billion in the quarter to the end of June, its first in almost two years. A surge in civil aircraft deliveries and better sales in its other divisions are partly responsible. But clouds loom. Boeing expects to sell fewer 787 airliners in the future because of the discovery of manufacturing flaws. Google and Facebook both said that employees working in their American offices would have to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Google said it will delay its 140,000 workers' return, originally scheduled for early September, until mid-October. Joe Biden is expected to announce today that all federal employees must be vaccinated or undergo regular testing. A Chinese court sentenced a billionaire farmer and social justice campaigner to prison for 18 years on multiple charges, including, quote, provoking trouble. Sun Dawu owns Dawu Group, one of the country's largest private companies. His criticism of the red tape and corruption faced by Chinese businesses made him powerful enemies. He was arrested most recently in November and held for months in brutal conditions. And fact of the day, 14.3%, Britain's fiscal deficit as a share of GDP last year. It was higher than in any peacetime year on record and comparable to the wartime borrowing of 1914-18 or 1939-45. to 
And now here's today's agenda: Xi's Way or the Highway? Chinese asylum seekers. China's economic growth is allowing its people to travel and work abroad, but 70 years after the signing of the UN Convention on Refugees, the number of people leaving their homes for less positive reasons is rising. Between 2012 and 2020, the annual number of asylum seekers from China rose from 15,362 to 107,864, according to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees. The increase has coincided with the rule of Xi Jinping. Some one million Uyghurs and other minorities have been detained in prison camps. Han people, the ethnic majority, have also seen their freedoms slashed since 2012. Members of NGOs, feminist organizations, and churches have been arrested. Hong Kong is even more febrile, but it is generally easier for Hong Kongers to leave. For those wanting out of mainland China, the path is trickier. But Mr. Xi shows no signs of easing off. The numbers of people fleeing the country seem set to grow. Excuses, excuses! A power grab in Tunisia. President Kais Saied met civil society groups to try and show that he supports Tunisia's democracy after what some have branded a quote coup. On Sunday, following protests against the government, Mr. Syed fired the prime minister, suspended parliament, and assumed executive authority. The power grab, he said, was justified by the constitution and needed to quell unrest over a sputtering economy and one of Africa's worst outbreaks of COVID-19. Many Tunisians welcomed it. Mr. Syed, a former constitutional law professor, was elected two years ago in a rebuke to the political class. He is immensely popular, but his claim to have the law on his side rings hollow. He has banned public gatherings of more than three people. Police in Tunis raided the offices of Al Jazeera, a media outlet seen as sympathetic to Ennahda, the biggest party in parliament. Ennahda has called for a national dialogue. So far, Mr. Syed has not accepted the olive branch. In debit, Credit Suisse's results. Credit Suisse announces its second quarter results today. Analysts expect that the bank's revenue and profit will both fall well below last year's levels. Many foresee a pre-tax loss. Such pessimism is unsurprising. It has been a rocky few years at Credit Suisse. In February 2020, Tijan Tiam, then its boss, was forced to quit after a spying scandal. The collapse of Greensill, a supply chain finance firm, this March left the bank holding $10 billion of its near worthless bonds. Later that month, the implosion of Arkegos Capital, a New York-based firm which had made outlandish bets on the stock market funded by banks, cost it $5.5 billion. On top of that litany of crises, Credit Suisse has also suffered from a slowdown in trading activity, on which a vast chunk of its revenue depends. That is being compounded by a self-imposed reduction in risk-taking. The bank's management, suitably humbled, has promised change, but the embarrassments probably won't end here. High point: America's economic recovery. 
Data released today are expected to show that the American economy expanded by a speedy 8.5% in the three months to the end of June, quarter-on-quarter, when measured in annualized terms. Growth is coming off a low base, and several forces are fueling it – super-loose monetary policy, stimulus payments to households, and the gradual return to normality after the most restrictive phase of the pandemic. But this fizzy quarter is likely to be the high point of America's period of growth. The forces pushing growth up may soon start to weaken. With inflation running high, the Federal Reserve may signal that it will rein in its policy support. The Biden administration is trying to push through a big infrastructure bill, but unlike the boost from stimulus checks, the impact will be spread over many years. And most worryingly, COVID-19 cases are rising again, with the Delta variant spreading rapidly throughout the country. Duel in the pool, women swimming at the Olympics. Nothing electrifies an Olympics like a full-blooded rivalry. The women's swimming competitions are providing one for the ages. Perhaps the most dramatic event of the game so far was the 400-meter freestyle final. Katie Ledecky, an American five-time gold medalist and defending champion, was chased down by a 20-year-old Australian, Ariana Titmus, who was making her Olympic debut. The pair faced off again yesterday in the 200-meter freestyle, also won by Ms. Titmus. There will be more to come. Today, the two women are expected to compete against each other in the 4x200-meter relay before a final confrontation on Saturday in the 800-meter freestyle final. Ms. Titmus's emergence is a welcome one. For decades, America and Australia have dominated Olympic swimming, but victory was distinctly one-sided. America won 12 golds to Australia's six in 2008, 16 to one in 2012, and 16 to three in 2016. The current Australian squad, led by Ms. Titmus, looks much more competitive. Summer Quiz, Week 2 Up for another battle with our baristas in a summer quiz? For Week 2, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Thursday. Which rock star was famous for hits such as Peggy Sue and It Doesn't Matter Anymore? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Vincent van Gogh, who died on this day in 1890. Great things are not done by impulse, but by a series of small things brought together. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.